I'm Andy Rosser, Lettings Marketing Manager, and today I'm talking to Andrew Coltwell, our Group Lettings Technical Director, about the latest hot topics in the world of lettings regulation. Welcome, Andrew. First off, what is your take on the recent renters' reform white paper? Yeah, well, a good question. Um, kind of first and foremost, I, I think it's really important to remember that the white paper, you know, is not law um, and will be subject, you know, to the usual passage through both parliamentary houses before that happens. Um, important point here is that that really gives ample opportunity, you know, for ch- for changes to be made. We can but guess as to whether a new prime minister and cabinet, you know, will have the same enthusiasm for tenancy reform. But you know, in any event, you know, change is, is highly unlikely in in the short term. Now, you know, government confirmed uh, that it intends delivering um, on its manifesto promise to abolish uh, Section 21 evictions. Now, at the same time, new and stronger grounds for possession will be introduced, making it easier for landlords to gain possession. Um, yet whether a case is, you know, for instance, of um, increased rent arrears and antisocial behaviour. Now, abolition of these so-called, you know, no-fault evictions under Section 21 is understandably of concern to you, to both landlords, agents, and alike. Really, now the principle of tenants being able to enjoy security of tenure without the constant threat of being asked to leave hanging over them um, is understandable. However, landlords being able to regain possession when things go wrong, um, or, for instance, if they wish to, you know, sell or move back into the property, you know, is an important factor in in maintaining a health the private rented sector. And it's really useful to remember um, that implementation of the 1988 Housing Act um, you know, by the Thatcher government uh, was designed to encourage landlords into the market. Now, whilst updating that act is long overdue, you know, what we don't want to do is to throw the baby or, you know, or more accurately, the landlord out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all that said, you know, we should be encouraged that government has made positive noises in this regard. You know, hopefully having understood that any uncertainty here risks damaging landlord confidence um, and therefore the supply of much needed property to meet, you know, growing demand. Now, how this will work in practice will be interesting, you know, particularly in relation to landlords looking to sell, you know, this could easily be open to abuse. Now, looking at, you know, other topics are included in the white paper. Um, There's a proposal for an ombudsman uh, to help reduce the number of possession cases coming before the courts. I think we're all well aware of some of the delays there, you know, certainly post-COVID as the courts, um, you know, look to catch up on on, on an increased level and backlog of of possession cases. Um, Also, an extension to the decent home standard uh, to improve those homes um, that are currently of unacceptable standard now there's a consultation you know this summer covering you know the likes of ventilation refuse management and and water efficiency so clearly a hot topic and so the final point here was um, a portal for landlords to better understand their obligations and to log safety certification. Now, many have kind of asked the question, you know, is this landlord registration, you know, by the back door? Well, I guess we'll kind of need to wait and see, but it's certainly certainly a point that's, you know, well made. Um, and then tenant lifetime deposit solutions. Um, government said that they're going to continue to monitor those um, with a view to considering whether regulatory changes are required at some point in the future. But no, maybe Major changes, you know, in terms of deposit solutions. Okay, thanks, Andrew. A very detailed, comprehensive answer uh, to what is obviously a very detailed uh, white paper and lots to think about there uh, yeah, for the UK. Uh, and in terms of the UK, perhaps um, is it worth sort of looking at Wales for any lessons learned around the introduction of tenancy reform in England? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess that question comes off the back of um, news back in May um, that the planned introduction of tenancy reform under the Renting Home Wales Act um, has been pushed back from uh, July of this year um, until December um, the 1st of this year. Um, well, certainly that's where it stands at the moment. Um, so good question. Um, now, planned changes in Wales um, include a minimum six month notice period uh, for landlords to enter tenancy with tenants required to serve one month when a tenancy is in a periodic state. Now, changes like this are obviously aimed at increasing um, you know, protection for tenants. There's no prizes really for, for stating that. But in terms of any lessons learned, um, I think if anything can be learned, you know, from our experience to date in Wales anyway, um, it surely has to be that, you know, when fundamental changes to housing regulation like this are being drafted and implemented, it's essential that key stakeholders, you know, stakeholders such as landlords and industry groups, you know, are engaged from the outset. And that's an important distinction there. Um, you know, underestimating the complexity and nuances around the letting and management of property. And, you know, therefore, you know, the time required to formulate well-considered and rounded policy you know, any failure there risks the level of confusion and uncertainty that, you know, has sadly dogged, you know, the Renting Homes, you know, Wales Act. Um, also, of course, um, you know, detailed guidance and adequate time for landlords and agents to implement any changes are, are also essential. And you know, the English government, you know, has, you know, has said that it that it plans to give, you know, ample time for any changes in England to be implemented. So, uh, again, hopefully some, some, some cause for optimism there. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, so lots of more detail there and obviously lots more to come on this topic over the coming yeah, months and indeed, possibly years. Watch um, this space. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm changing tax slightly now, uh, thinking of the other side of the fence in terms of agents. Is there any more news on the regulation of property agents or ROPA for short? Uh, yes, well, government government confirmed that it's still considering recommendations um, by the Regulation of Property Agents Working Group report. Um, now that was published, you know, way back in 2019. Now, um, you know, the pandemic clearly, you know, got in the way of progress there, arguably. Um, but but government, you know, has clearly signaled its commitment to, to driving up standards. And and you know, important point to mention here, you know, has welcomed the industry's own efforts in this regard. Now, you know, kind of two considerations uh, for me, I guess, now, with a lack of direct measures from government, you know, could we be forgiven for interpreting this as a move away from regulatory change, you know, perhaps in favour of the industry itself driving change? And if so, you know, would that necessarily be a bad thing? Now, listen, you know, we're all going to have our own views, but, but arguably, this could be a more sensible approach than wholesale change, given that local authorities are already empowered to deal with, you know, poor property standards. Now, you know, as those words leave, leave my lips, you know, I can hear people questioning, um, you know, particularly agents, you know, whether that power is always applied appropriately, judiciously and with adequate resource, you know, but nonetheless, it's an existing mechanism that, that, that's designed to improve standards. Now, key concern for agents is that in practice, you know, will any change of this this nature or changes of this nature, you know, will they result in higher standards for the majority, um, together with the time and costs associated with meeting those standards, whilst the minority underbelly, which arguably poses the greatest risk to standards, you know, is left, you know, largely unchecked as a result of a lack of appropriate enforcement where it's needed most. You know, if so, you know, that clearly goes against the principle, you know, of what governments try 
to achieve. Now, you know, the, the the white paper, you know, made 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 great mention of of, of bolstering um, you know, local authorities' ability to, to to drive up standards. So, you know, again, hope for optimism, but the proof of the pudding, you know, will will be, you know, as always, you know, in the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. Now, yeah, you know, we listen. We're all going to have our own views, um, but but Roper certainly looks unlikely to to be disappearing too far into the shadows. Thanks, Andrew. Very comprehensive answer again. Um, and I'm moving on to another topic. Um, obviously, safety these days never seems to be far from the headlines. Have there been any recent develop developments on this front at all? Yeah, safety is is never far from 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 the headlines. Um, so you know, absolutely. So government confirmed that from October the first this year, um, all rented property in England um, will need to have a carbon monoxide alarm um, in rooms where there's a fixed combustion appliance. Now, you know, in practice, um, this extends existing requirements from you know appliances like wood burning stoves to now include you know gas heaters, um, fires, um, and gas and oil fire boilers. But in Interestingly, not gas ovens and hobs. Now, we've already mentioned um, changes in Wales um, that include mandatory electrical safety testing, mirroring the requirements in England, as well as the provision of mains operated and interlinked you know, smoke alarms. The carbon monoxide alarm provisions in Wales are similar to those in England, albeit without the gas and the oven um, hob exception. Um, and unlike smoke detectors in Wales, um, CO alarms in England you know, don't need to be mains operated and interlinked. Um, full details you know, are available on gov.uk and gov.wales uh, websites. Um, the Building Safety Act, uh, which comes off the back of the Grenfell tragedy, um, that's now received royal assent. Um, practical terms, we're unlikely to see uh, provisions of the Act coming into force until you know, the middle of 2023. Um, and before then, we should expect to see regulation and guidance you know, supporting the provisions of the Act in the normal way. Great. Thanks, Andrew. Over the pandemic, there were obvious concerns amongst landlords, tenants and agents around tenant arrears. Are the breathing spaces that were introduced still in play? Yeah, and interesting you should ask that. So, you know, for those unfamiliar with breathing spaces, um, they involve the temporary cessation of debt recovery, um, including for rent arrears, whilst you know, individual receives advice um, and specialist advice from agencies such as uh, Citizens Advice. Um, now, you know, we've only seen, you know, very few of these, all of which today have ended with the landlord, you know, simply re resuming proceedings, you know, once the breathing space ended. Now, you know, with that in mind, it's kind of impossible for us to judge, you know, their value and, and effectiveness. Now, notwithstanding that, um, government has published proposals for um, statutory debt repayment plans or SDRPs, you know, as if we needed you know, yet another acronym um, in, the, in the lettings world. Now, you know, that covers both English and dam whales. Now, interestingly, interestingly here, um, an SDRP focuses on repayment as opposed to the relief um, offered by a breathing space and potentially provides you know, a fair degree of protection uh, to debtors. Now, if a debtor has rent arrears, they can be included in any debt payment plan, but apparently it's not mandatory under the proposals. Um, now, the, the interesting point here is that the tenants may decide not to include the rent arrears as the longer repayment period that often goes hand in hand with debt repayment plans could prejudice the future of the tenancy and, yeah, I'm guessing, you know, primarily it's renewal. 
Now, you know, it strikes me that in practice, you know, excluding rent arrears could prove to be impossible, you know, unless the plan provides for a speedy way of clearing them. You know, however, you know, as usual in these situations, you know, we'll need to wait and see, you know, what develops. Now, when the plan is formulated, you know, tenants should continue to make rental payments with rental expenditure, you know, very much factored into the equation. Um, a consultation on this, you know, closed, you know, at the beginning of August. Um, obviously, you know, a complicated and nuanced topic um, with full details available on gov.uk in the usual way for, you know, for any any listeners um, who require additional information. Thank you, Andrew. I mean, lots of ground cover there, lots of interesting uh, thoughts and lots of changes in the pipeline. So it'd be great to catch up with again at some point in the future and see how things progress uh, down the line. Um, thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Lettings as well. If you enjoyed this episode and found it useful, then please do remember to subscribe for future episodes through your usual podcast service. And remember to share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks a lot.